You ready? Ready. Cool. <clears throat> Michael, what do you know about Formula One racing? Um, I do know the name Michael Schumacher. Oh, that's more than I knew I, coming yeah. into F1. Yeah. Because when I was a kid, there was the trivia of who's the highest paid athlete in the world. Mm. And it was a trap to get you to say, like, Michael Jordan. And it was this guy I never heard of named Michael Schumacher. A different Michael. I know it's a car race. So I, I do feel a little bit like Bill Hader's iconic Saturday Night Live sketch, Stefan. Uh, the sport really has everything. So you've got people who are willingly hurtling themselves in carbon fiber death traps uh, at over 200 miles an hour. And a big fire there as they exited out of turn three. Literal and actual Nigerian prince scams. Maybe we don't look the gift horse in the mouth and we just accept what they've given us. An angry Italian team boss who's uh, resorted to posing with children's playground toys to get money for his team. And he's like, this is not a fucking kindergarten. You have got tragedy. I'm stuck. It makes for incredible drama. This is what you get with this fucking hit show. You have name calling. What a dickhead. Mudslinging, sometimes literal punch throwing. You have triumph, you have fashion. It is like watching Real Housewives if the Real Housewives were driving at 300 kilometers an hour and occasionally catching on fire. And you have everything in between. The highs are very high. Uh, the lows feel so incredibly bad. Uh, okay, Lily, thank you. Spicy, sounds zesty, sounds exciting, sounds high speed. I have no connection. I have no reason to support some Swiss millionaire who's driving this car. You know what I mean? There isn't – I I need some ownership over somebody, a team, a car, and it, that's missing. Maybe if I can connect with some team or a person or there's a story that, I, that resonates with me, now I'm rooting for these people. Does that make sense? Well, have I got a podcast for you? Holy shit! <laughs> From iHeartRadio and Sports Illustrated Studios, this is Choosing Sides. F1. Wow. Hi. Welcome to Choosing Sides, F1, a podcast about... Um, what what are we doing here, Lily? So um, congrats on signing a very fancy contract for a sports podcast where you know nothing about the sport. This, this, is, is, this is great. This is awesome. That's a good pitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So obviously, uh, to care about anything, you've mm-hmm. you got to have skin in the game. Yeah. That's what we're talking about yeah. here. Yeah. Uh, so over the next many weeks, uh, mm-hmm. I, along with a ton of F1 insiders and journalists, fans, mm-hmm. all sorts of people, are going to be taking you on a bit of a journey to understand Formula One. And and we're going to be getting into the inner workings of every single team, every single driver. By the end, you're going to make a choice as to which team yeah. and driver you support. Um, but you'll soon find that this is not as straightforward as just choosing the fastest guy, right, or the right. best team. Um, you know, every single driver, every single team, you know, has their own, their own scandals, their own rivalries, resentments, uh, daddy issues. Sure. The number one rule of F1 off the bat, everybody's got daddy issues. Right. If you don't have one, you can't be in. <laughs> that seems to be uh, And is the daddy the, the team owner? Maybe. Maybe. Okay, we'll, we'll talk. Okay, we'll get actually, that going. the first team we talk about, we'll get into okay. uh, the guy who's, who's okay. known as a daddy on the grid. So, oh, interesting. Uh, okay. Yeah. They, okay. They've really got it all. Yeah. I'm so, certain I'm going to, I like... I like people competing under pressure, and it feels like there's a lot of pressure and stakes yeah. when you're moving at that speed. Mm-hmm. For uh, millions, hundreds of millions of dollars. Is that sure, money's, well? great, yes. but, money's great, but, but <laughs> death is the ultimate motivator. 
The men to whom speed spells thrills, crowding miles into minutes on the screaming tarmac, they ride with life as the passenger and death on their tails. Care for a lift? So, uh, obviously, with sports, yeah, it, it depends on where you grew up, mm-hmm. depends on what you grew up watching, what your family ended up liking. Mm-hmm. Obviously, a lot of Americans did not grow up with F1. Right. Um, but, yeah, there is a show on Netflix called Drive to Survive. Yeah. It started coming out, I believe, in 2019, okay. uh, where it's basically a very highly edited uh, and very dramatic docuseries. Right. I am someone who got very into Formula One after, for no reason at all, clicking on Drive to Survive on Netflix. Right. What made it interesting was, so Formula One, as we will get into shortly, is a very secretive sport. Mm. They're very tight-lipped. As mm-hmm. I said, there's millions and millions, even billions of dollars at stake. Mm-hmm. So they're, everyone's really close to the vest in the sport. So what made this show very different was the fact that it kind of gave you this inside look into the different garages, into the what's called the paddock, which which is where, you know, all of the action takes place, the cars, all of the commentators, all this stuff. You know, there are clips of, for instance, you know, one driver crashed into another and and went up to that guy during, you know, post-race interviews mm-hmm. and told him and, to go uh, fuck himself. Yeah. And the guy looked at him Once on again, camera and said, driver of the suck my balls, mate. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's what we got to see from Drive go to Survive. Go fuck yourself. Suck my balls, mate. Which is now on T-shirts. You can get it on deco- <laughs> no, decorative mugs. I love that. Your suck my balls mate mug can be kept right next to the keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth mug. Exactly. Exactly. Similar energy. Animal forges ahead, skillfully avoiding another skidding opponent. Okay, so Tony, what would someone like my co-host Michael Costa or anyone else who's just brand new to F1 need to know to understand the sport? Lily, that is like the hardest question to answer. What do you need to know? I love it. (laughs) So that's Formula One journalist Tony Cowan-Brown. I am a firm believer that the more you know about something, the more you get and the more you can enjoy the actual sport. So Tony literally wrote the 2020 Beginner's Guide to F1 with Formula One, like the organization. So she is obviously the perfect person to help us go on this journey. There's this like weird paradox in Formula One. It is at the cusp of innovation. The R&D research behind closed doors inside of Formula One is like no other. But at the same time, the sport has been around for 70 plus years. It is very archaic. It is deeply rooted in the end of World War II. Race car driving in general has been around since the, the beginning of of you know, invention of vehicles, right? So in the early 1900s, you've just got people informally racing each other. There started to be a little more organization around race car driving, particularly in Europe in the 1930s, uh, before World War II. Isn't it say something about humanity that we invent this amazing combustion engine and then immediately are like, who can <laughs> max it out the fastest? Yeah. To the potentially their personal peril. Exactly. Without, awesome. without, yeah. without crashing, how fast can you go? I love yeah. that. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> Good job. Good job, humanity, for always wanting to push it. A lucky escape, and Hawthorne Cooley drives back into the race. England produced during World War II a lot of airplanes for their military specifically. And after the war ended, so after World War II ended, there was this surplus of aerospace engineers that essentially needed jobs. Simultaneously, you were also seeing the appearance of Grand Prix racing, Grand Prix racing, which became increasingly popular with the gentlemen um, who might have still had that feeling of that hero um, mentality that we saw a lot in World War II. They were also out of a job, potentially bored and keeping busy. Another interesting thing is that a lot of Europe, and in particular 
the United Kingdom, where it's kind of it's kind of considered the one of the real birthplaces of Formula One. Oh, okay, uh, but the United Kingdom had a ton of abandoned airfields and airstrips from oh, the war. Yeah, sure, and so as a result of all of that. Engineers got really creative and started building these essentially really lightweight cars to race on these airfields that later became actual tracks. Laughing at 70 miles an hour, it's round after round of thrills with skids fast and frequent. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Like, if you can get an hour away from the family, you and the buddies grab some pints and go drive super souped-up cars on an abandoned airfield, Count me in. Yeah, of course, uh, people got injured and died. But, like, it's, you know, it's worth a a couple hours away from the family. It's worth the risk. So uh, something to note about this time is, first of all, there were there were no there was no organization to speak of. Right. These are just Mm -hmm. dudes out there. Gentlemen sport. Uh, The whole idea of safety regulations. um, We don't know her at this time. Right. 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 (laughs) Like they're just kind of doing whatever. There's no helmets. There's no seatbelts. There's nothing to kind of strap anyone in. You have spectators that are literally just next to these tracks being protected by maybe a hay bale or two at the time. Uh, So obviously, I'm sure you're you're wondering, when does this quaint little gentleman sport Mm -hmm. become a billion dollar juggernaut? Mm -hmm. I like to look at Formula One as there are two eras in Formula One. There's pre-Bernie and then there's post-Bernie. So there's a guy who's pretty controversial in F1, Bernie Ecclestone. Bernie Ecclestone. Yeah, Bernie. We'll call him Bernie for short here. He's got a great controversial yeah billionaire name. name yeah he sounds like a billionaire he does and pre-bernie this was just like a gentleman's agreement it was these you know like a hobby but bernie was very forward thinking in how he looked at formula one and he truly turned formula one from a hobby into a business and i believe it's 1981 he convinced basically the teams to sign a contract called the concord agreement asking the teams the formula one teams to commit to racing for a couple of years. This agreement is still in place today. And what he did with this contract, which was extremely smart, is he took this agreement to TV companies and he would guarantee them coverage. He would basically guarantee that this race was taking place with all of these incredible manufacturers, the like of Williams, the like of Ferrari, McLaren, etc. And he would guarantee the teams would get coverage, which was great for the sponsors so that they could be seen worldwide. This was very much cutting edge in the 80s for him to do this agreement. So there's no question, again, whether you like him or not, polarizing figure, there is no doubt that what Bernie did, Bernie Eccleston did, was turn this from a hobby into a money-making machine with huge commercial success. And, okay, what makes him so controversial? (sighs) I know, like, how much time do we have? (laughs) How much time do you have? And also bear in mind that I look at him through the lens of a young woman who believes in certain things like equality and representation and the need for diversity. I want to see what he looks like. Oh, Oh, yes. Of course, the first picture is him with like a 22-year-old model chick. (laughs) She looks like a tall supermodel. He looks like a villain in a Disney movie, white hair, wrinkly face, wealth flies private he looks down at first class that's considered that's what he calls coach yes it's first class (laughs) a lot of the pictures are him with his wife so he's smart enough to oh here's a picture of him chatting with vladimir putin (laughs) in your view uh you don't think that putin has done anything wrong as a person i found him very straightforward and honorable did exactly what he said he was going to do 
without any arguments. There are a lot I of remember- people who disagree with you, Bernie Eccleston. Uh, but thank you so much for, for, for coming on the programme and putting that view uh, out there. Uh, Bernie Eccleston there, former chief executive of the Formula One group. He's very old school. He he currently has pretty much said he doesn't like newer, younger F1 fans. He still thinks mm-hmm. F1 should be uh, sort of advertising to you know old guys with tons of money. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, his system wasn't really working because right. up until recently, you know, viewership of F1 was going down. Bernie Eccleston is no longer part of Formula One. He actually sold his stake in Formula One to Liberty Media, that now owns this whole venture. We got Drive to Survive. We got a lot more social media from them. Before then, it was very secretive. Yeah. yeah. You yeah, he's and he's really old at this point. Yeah, I was like, going to say, I mean, old people notoriously are always saying the wrong thing. But if you're yeah. old in 1960, yes, uh, you're yeah. then really old. I always respect anyone who is taking action and doing something. The problem is a lot of those people then say really stupid shit all the time. Exactly. But it takes effort and energy and enthusiasm and balls to, like, make shit happen. Right? Yeah. Put that on a mug. <laughs> I think it'll take a little too much space on the mug, unless it's like a very large mug. But um, it can go next to my suck, suck my balls, mate. Suck my mug. balls, mate. Yep. I, I, I love I can that. See it. I love that that was that was suck my balls, mate. Yeah. Because, yeah. hey, we're racing. Yeah. We're racing. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I will say that guy is uh, back on the grid, and we will get to Great. him later on this season. I have, as and well. also, I'm excited to learn what the fuck the grid means. Yes. Because that well, word is thrown around a lot. The grid. Yeah. yeah. It's an easy way to also sound like you know what you're talking about. Yeah. It's just the grid. The grid. The paddock. Yeah. The just, paddock. Yeah. Yeah. I learned the word kit, you know, relatively recently in my F1 journey. It's I sound infinitely smarter now. Is kit. It's like what you wear. You, you like wear. The team okay. That's, that's, yeah. Isn't that British? Yeah. British tennis players would say that. Let me just say this podcast, the amount of like Brits we've interviewed where, where they say yeah. motorsport, like right. singular right. when talking about the plural. And then I feel, right. but then I look, right. I sound ridiculous as an American saying, you know, oh, you know, in, in the world of motorsport, right. everyone's like, there's an S Lily. Yeah. There is and an you're S like, there. yeah. Next thing you know, you're going to say that you had to go to hospital. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm like yeah I'm like one one interview away one interview away from, from switching into hospital. Plus, they also think just like we think they're all so smart because they sound that way. They just automatically think we're dumb, and usually they're right. But there's also <laughs> dumb Brits. I want to be very yes, clear, yeah. and please put this in the podcast. <laughs> there are really dumb British people. Okay, got it. At seventy miles an hour, it's round after round of thrills with skids fast and frequent. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 
Oh, such a clutch pickup, Dave. I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. What, you fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. These cars, they all look the same to me on the outside, mm-hmm. but what is, I mean, it, it, what are these cars? Ooh, a good a good question. So I'm sure you know what NASCAR is. Yeah. You probably heard of IndyCar and the Indy 500. Yeah. yeah. And uh, what's interesting is those those cars are what's called, they're usually spec series is what mm-hmm. it's called. Again, another term that'll mm-hmm. make you sound instantly smarter. Mm-hmm. More often than not, everyone's kind of driving the same things. So the idea is that there's a, a pretty even playing field in terms of of the machinery. But Formula One is a completely different beast. Formula One is a rules-based car racing category. So this is F1 journalist Hazel Southwell. She specializes in the design and technical aspects of the sport. The design of cars is largely free, except for the technical regulations that guide teams to create similar vehicles within some parameters. It's called Formula One. Uh, Mm. Part of that quote-unquote formula is the fact that, yeah, there are regulations, there are rules, and everyone's just trying to kind of tiptoe around them, Mm -hmm. you know, get as close to the, the edge of the cliff and hope they don't fall in. That means it's very technically driven. Uh, it's uh, something which has huge amounts of research and development behind it. So although you might see one guy standing on the podium, it's actually thousands of people in or hundreds of people at a minimum in teams that contribute to those victories. F1 is as much almost like a an engineering competition on yeah. steroids yeah. as it is a driving championship. Yeah. Cheating in Formula One is a fundamental part of Uh, the way that Formula One is kind of played as a sport um, because in creative interpretation of the rules is basically how you get an advantage over your opponents. If everyone just 
interpreted the rules to their letter, then you'd have 20 identical cars and it wouldn't be very interesting for anyone. Um, But as soon as somebody sees uh, perhaps a loophole or a gap or a way that they can be interpreted differently, then you have a possibility to gain an advantage or to make a truly terrible car. You see teams in in previous decades have, for instance, put more wheels on the car to see if that would make them run faster. They've put weird (laughs) stuff on the back of the car. They've tried everything in their power. And of course, you know, every once in a while, a team just completely nails it right Right. out of the blue. And suddenly they are just lapping people because they figured out some key thing within the regulations, usually barely in the regulations to to do that. Can I say something about that? Every sport Mm -hmm. at the highest level is the finest line between being innovative and cheating. Every every Mm -hmm. sport. I mean, from Tom Brady and the deflated footballs to a hockey player retaping the top of their stick or the cur every sport. Yeah. You need an edge. That's how good your competition is. Uh, cheating, the art of skillful cheating um, is pretty murky. Uh, there's been a lot of interesting scandals uh, involving cars that were deemed illegal. Um, quite famously, in Lewis Hamilton's first year, uh, McLaren lost uh, the world championship was stripped of absolutely all its points uh, because it was discovered that they had been involved in spying on Ferrari. So the other thing that I do love, though, about the fact that everyone's trying to barely not cheat means that everyone else complains about folks barely not cheating. So so a lot of the ongoing drama, for instance, in Formula One is these various team bosses either very loudly whining or very casually, mildly suggesting that their competitors have done something not kosher. It's like uh, when your parents set a rule and you kind of like you really you sort of push it right up until the final interpretation of that rule. Um, But with, you know, tens of millions of pounds of financial consequence if you are caught they are not kidding around they have rules where if you're a competitor and you touch another team's car like let's say even bump it they'll fine you you know fifty thousand pounds like they're you know and and you've also had teams get upset when uh drivers even kind of looked at their car which is not illegal so they're allowed to do that right (laughs) stop looking at my car I, as a sports fan, I appreciate them doing that, trying to keep the sport fair. I also cannot imagine the intelligence, the money, and there are so many moving parts, literally, on mm-hmm. a race car. Jesus, that's a, a huge undertaking. There is a lot of people, technology, uh, all mixed into this competition. A skillful driver overtakes a rival. No mean feat on the greasy track. But watch for a ticklish moment for number 26, Pycroft, in his Emerson car. So the FIA, like I said, this governing body, um, they do come out with smaller regulations and other changes and and things, you know, year to year, even sometimes race to race if something really bad has happened. But uh, every few years, and there's no real set time for this to happen, uh, they will put out a whole new list of regulations. Mm -hmm. The 2022 Formula One regulations were brought in to address what had been an issue for going back well over a decade with the fact that the aerodynamics which are brilliant and incredibly clever, don't work very well when they get close to other cars. So as a consequence, there hasn't always been very good overtaking. Um, There have been some pretty dismal Grand Prix with single digit or even no overtakes. Um, And that is not 
what people tune in to most sport to watch. You want to see some friction. Exactly. So the rule book was radically rewritten to readdress the way that aerodynamics work on Formula One cars in order to ensure that when they get close to another car, they're not going to dramatically lose all of the features that let them grip to the track, that let them take corners as fast as they do, um, that let them have the car stability for the drivers to be able to go at the speeds that they do. So, you know, this is the perfect time for you to join F1 because new regulations mean utter chaos, right? Right, right. Because you can see teams that have dominated just completely fuck up the regulations, right? They take certain gambles and certain risks and they do not pay off. And on the flip side, you'll see teams that were just doing okay or maybe even horrifically completely nail those regulations and all of a sudden they go from being you know back of the pack to hey like they they're actually in it it, it, with the points and they're they're kind of moving and grooving so uh so yes that's like the fun part right now is we've seen some chaotic races where you know the the you've got the the current reigning world champion in the first three races of 2022 he hasn't finished two of those races because of issues with his car uh, so obviously right. a talented driver completely right. undone by faulty issues with uh, the car under new regulations. I'm I'm surprised and very interested that it feels like the driver, the athlete, the mm-hmm. superstar has an important role, mm-hmm. but it feels like it's almost a 50-50 importance to the team science yeah. May- maybe less. I don't know. Funny you should mention drivers because that's actually a great segue. Yeah. Could you, could Lily get in a Formula One car and move forward? I have trouble driving my Subaru Forester <laughs> when I'm back at home, right. let alone. Okay. And there's not it's even. It's also, that's not a fair question to ask a New Yorker because nobody here knows how to drive. <laughs> I don't even know how to get in. Like it's a whole endeavor just yeah. to, to kind of wiggle your way into one of these things. Yeah, copy. So to get back to our slightly more professional drivers, I am not one of those. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, many people do not view Formula One drivers as actual real athletes. People underestimate how physical this sport is uh, just because, you know, it looks easy when you look at the onboard cameras. You know, they they look like the cars are perfect and it's just you steering, but um, it's very demanding. So that was Tatiana Calderon. She was actually the last female to drive an F1 car for a team called Alfa Romeo. We'll hear more about Alfa Romeo and we'll hear more from Tatiana later in the season. But I had asked her to describe what it's like to drive an F1 car. When you're going more than 300 kilometers an hour and you have to turn in flat to a corner to turn the wheel, it's it's very heavy. And you have to do that 18 or 19 times per lap, you know, so it's for one an hour and one hour and 30 minutes, two hours is stressful for, for your body and for your mind. Your heart rate goes up. So you're always in, at around 160 or 155 bips per minute in the heat with very little air. It is unbelievably hot in race cars. Reporter Hazel Southwell again. It can easily be sustainedly over 60 centigrade. I'm not sure what that is in Fahrenheit. That's 140 degrees Fahrenheit. Jesus. Secondly, they're undergoing enormous amounts of G-force. So every time they take a corner, instead of breaking like we would and maybe coming almost to a standstill to take a right angle corner, they just carry through as much speed as possible. So they will be going through a right angle corner at over 150 miles per hour. If you think about pulling like five or six G through a corner, 
then everything weighs five or six times more than it does. So basically, it tries to rip their head off. F1 drivers, uh, they've got very big necks. Because, okay. And they actually have to train their necks as like a separate portion of their like physio because the head is flopping around. I had to, to do so many hours of training in the neck to just even be able to drive the car, let alone push it. You know, I, I felt like a robot at times. I had to change my shirt size. The G-forces that go through your body are incredible. There was a, an Indy car driver who got the chance a couple months ago to test out an F1 car. And he straight up said, he's like, I could almost not complete the last couple laps because my head would not stay up. And this oh is my. still an Indy car guy, right? That's so he hilarious. still does this in his own right, sport. Right. But he's like, it is a million times more intense in F1. Over the course of a Grand Prix weekend, they're doing hundreds of laps. So um, they have to be able to do all that. And for the physical demands of driving to be completely irrelevant because the mental concentration on what they're doing is is so complete that you have to be fit enough that all of those factors, the heat, the G-force, are all like just background noise. It's about finding that balance and that rhythm. It's like playing music. You know, you, you drive with your hands as well as with your feet and it has to be in a harmony. And that's what I love trying to find. Harmony. I love that. She's operating this car on a totally different level. I'm very interested in the steering wheel. Yeah. And I'm very interested in shifting. If they shift. Yeah. I don't know. They are making hundreds of adjustments per lap. Formula One drivers change gear 80 times, roughly, around a lap. So that's just a lot of gear changes. If you think about the fact that that will be taking place over the course of, say, 80 seconds... And that's actually, to be honest, the most basic thing they're doing. Um, they're then uh, constantly adjusting settings. Um, so they'll be changing things like the brake balance, things like engine modes, uh, like modes for the hybrid system. Driver default, Charlie, 85 when you can. Driver default, C85 when you can. That's on the MFA rotary to 10 o'clock position. I cannot do it. I cannot do it. Copy that, Maz. If you can move MFA to position C and then select 85 on the dash. Repeat number again. Which number? 85, 85. If you see a photo of a Formula One steering wheel, they'll have like at least eight dials, which will all have sort of like 20 settings and all of those settings interact with each other. So if you think about how many uh, permutations you could have of something and then they have uh, various other buttons that are just for like... Um, quick deployment of something or for the radio or f to show that they've um, heard a message. You'll hear times where, where drivers can get kind of frustrated and be like, I just need a minute. Like, I just need a minute. Right. Alone. Let me just <laughs> take a deep breath and figure yeah. out what fucking button to push right now. If we can get in front of Gasly, we get some free air and it's good for us. I just stop fucking talking when I'm trying to race. And they have to remember where all of that is, uh, not touch it at the wrong time. And they have to be able to do all of that whilst they're flying around a track at hundreds and hundreds of miles an hour, being flung around a, a what's basically, you know, a little tub. And they're trying to win. Oh, yeah. And not also, just die. Yeah, listen to the plan. <laughs> yeah. Stay hydrated. Press the right button. D deal with G-force. And also this isn't even factoring in weather, right? So sometimes it's <laughs> you're in torrential downpour. Right trying to just see physically right, right. where you're at. Sounds fun. As if there wasn't enough complexity sure. to this. The other thing to note on kind of a larger competitive scale is that the stakes for these 
right now, men. Yeah. Uh, it isn't just life or death and, and winning. It's also that in Formula One, there's this old saying that you're only as good as your last race. Yeah. If you're really underperforming, you know, they they will pull you out. I love it. The stakes yeah. are fucking high. Yeah. And it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. All right. So who are these men? Who are these drivers? Rich kids? How do you become a driver? Is there a is there a qualifying tournament? In tennis, I can sign up for a qualifying and work my way up the ladder. Can I do that in Formula One? So many of these guys start racing as kids. You, you got guys in here who started racing at three years old sure. in, in karting. You will hear stories from the Australian Daniel Ricciardo about what it means to leave your family at the age of 14, 15 and to dedicate your whole life into that. That's Tony Cowan-Brown again. I think for me, that is one of the reasons why you get these drivers who are solely dedicated on one sport and one sport alone, because they've had to leave a lot behind and give up a to do the thing that they love. So if you're yeah, an elementary school kid who's trying to, to have like a serious karting career, yeah. that can cost <laughs> upwards. I know it sounds very funny to say yeah. uh, that can cost upwards of one hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah. You need some sort of lifeline too. I don't get the sense that Formula One gives too many shits about like the uh, helping the underprivileged kids learning about Formula One. They do not. Yeah. And there is a push from certain drivers yeah. to, to be better. There's yeah. a lot of very vague sort of. Um, girl bossy like you know like we, we everyone should know that you know they can do whatever they want right. if you want to be a driver right. you can do yeah. it and it's you're like, like i'm sorry with what check are you going to yeah, help exactly. me do that yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. There's, there's a lot of that kind of speak yeah. especially in in the current yeah. day uh yeah. f1's trying to pretend that they really care right. about uh, things other than money but uh, uh on the other flip side of this money is a huge part of it but there are still Thanks to regulations, mm-hmm. uh, there's still a lot of other barriers to keep bad drivers or kind of hobby richie riches out of the sport. Right. The FIA has like certain criteria that you need to hit to become a Formula One driver. One of that is getting a super license. I know it's not a very original name, super <laughs> license, uh, but me- it means that you've you've um, participated in a certain number of junior racing okay. categories uh, and you've earned a certain number. You have to I believe the now requisite number of points is 40, okay. quote unquote, you know, super license points. And you need to do that within three years. You obviously need your road license. And now you need to be 18 or above. And fun fact, the fact that Max Verstappen got into F1 as early as he did wouldn't have been possible if he was trying today because he would have had to be a minimum age of 18. So we'll get it all into Max Verstappen, the current world champion who is incredibly controversial when we talk about Red Bull racing in a few episodes. Um, This may be a dumb question, but when you say Red Bull racing, you're referring to a team, right? Correct. Okay, but what is a Formula One team? What does that even mean? That is an excellent question. We will get into all of the teams after this short break. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. So, okay, so at its core, F1 is kind of team-based in this interesting way. When you think of football, you've got, I don't even know, what is it, over 50 players on a team? It's a lot, right? Yeah. This is the cool thing about Formula One. There are essentially 20 drivers, 10 teams, 10 team principals. There's a couple of reserve drivers here and there. But essentially, there's not that many people that you need to start to get to know, which is really cool. That's clear and simple. I like Very that. Very easy barrier to entry. Yeah. You know, So if someone ever tries to be like, oh, you can't be a real fan unless you name all the drivers, I'm like... Bitch, I can do that. Right, right, <laughs> it's right, really right, not that hard. Right. So within Formula One, this is funky. Uh, there's actually two simultaneous championships going on. Why not add to the complexity? Exactly. As if there wasn't <laughs> enough going on between like yeah. the drivers frying in their cars and like the engineering yeah. and the crashes and the explosions. Uh, we have two different championships. If you remember one thing, remember that in Formula One, there is both the driver championship and there is the team constructor championship. So the constructors championship is interesting because F1 doles out prize money depending yeah. on where you place. Right. So it actually really matters that you end up in fifth place over sixth yeah. place. You know, that you're looking at hundreds of millions of dollars based on just finishing a couple places up. You know, you beat a team by one point by the end of the season, you're looking at a much bigger windfall than you would have been otherwise. They they dole out the money at the end of the season? Yeah. Yeah. So like last year, Mercedes, which won the constructors, 
championship. Uh, they walked away with $63 million in prize money just for getting that placement wow. in the season. Williams got eighth. They ended up with $13 million. Okay. Yeah. It's almost like a, like a reverse draft. Like, you know, if you do terribly, you don't get first pick. Right. You still, in right. fact, right. end right. up right. the loser at the bottom here. There's two ways, in my opinion, of like bucketing the teams, if you will. You could divide the 20 cars and the 20 drivers into roughly three categories. You've got the best of the best that are fighting for the championship. That's generally the top three, the top four. Um, right now, those are, you know, the likes of Mercedes, Red Bull, Ferrari, McLaren. Then you've got what we call the best of the rest. And then you have the rest of the rest. Um, and the best of the rest and the rest is essentially what we call the midfield um, in Formula One. This is where essentially the fun happens. Anything can happen in the midfield. In American culture in general, politics, whatever, we love a we love a first past the post moment, right? Mm-hmm. We just want to know who got there first, mm-hmm. who won the thing, mm-hmm. etc. In F1, uh, you have a lot of people who root for teams that are not the championship winning team. Right. You're, you get excited when like, oh, I just want my favorite team. If they score just two points at this race, they will right. go from being 10th out of 10 to 8th out of 10. You right. know, like, right. can they just like, you know, get it? Um, I will say two, because I'm sure you're wondering what are points, how many points. Yeah. So you get points and it's a descending amount uh, for first through 10th place. So okay. if you get 11th through 20th, you get nada. And what's more important, the team championship or the individual driver? I mean, if you're an individual driver, you're just trying to win always, right? Here's actually where a lot of the drama in F1 comes in. So obviously we all think to ourselves, oh, well, they're competing against other teams. They're all fighting Mm -hmm. against each other. But the thing to think about is, as we've talked about, all of these cars are radically different from one another. So if there's two drivers on a team, if you're a driver, there's only one other person on the grid who's going to have the same car to you, and that is your teammate. And so your biggest competitor yeah. on the grid is going to be your, your teammate. Yeah, so because that you, that's really who's the best driver. You're exactly. both driving the same car. Exactly. Right. Okay. And so there's a lot of drama around, you know, th- there's almost... There's drama around if one teammate is completely clobbering the other teammate in points. There's also a ton of drama if you have really evenly matched drivers who are just trying to eke out that extra point over their teammate. You know, there's been times where teammates have crashed into each other. Endless occasions of this. You know, you also, though, have times where a team will uh, prefer one driver over the other. And sure. especially if they're, you know, they're, hey, this person's doing much better in the championship, especially yeah. if they're contending for the driver's title. Yeah. So they'll kind of ask one driver to to almost like sacrifice yeah. their race or their placement to help the other driver. And obviously, these are big ego driven guys. No, they are not tough. happy about that. That's yeah. Tough. So that that also the, comes the whole play. team competition almost seems to fuck with the essence of being number one. Yeah. I it, mean, yeah. Everyone's competitive. These drivers don't get to this position if they're not some of the most hyper-competitive, intense people you've ever met. And high-strung. And now they're uh, yeah. now you're adding another competition within the competition, which is even more, it's like a family-sibling dynamic. The two Mercedes come together as Hamilton tried to pass on the inside, and he can cover his hands over his eyes. Hamilton takes out his teammates, and there will be a big, big inquiry behind closed doors into that. If that all wasn't zany enough, you have times where the team will kind of give what, yeah, what are what are called t- quote unquote team orders. So they'll kind of say, you know, hey, move, move to the side. You know, so and so is passing. Okay, Lewis, if you let Nico pass at this lap, please. Let Nico pass on the main start finish straight. And they won't listen. Uh, not slowing down for Nico. Get close and overtake. 
You don't even get to be that successful if you always accept all orders. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You and want your driver to be a little bit like that. Yeah. If both people crash out, you get no points. And so can you right. imagine if, let's say, your drivers were one and two and the you know, guy in second place just couldn't couldn't help right. himself right. and crashes into number one, you're out. Like you just, you just lost right. you know, a, a huge haul of points for no reason other right. than ego. What the fuck did I say? What did I say? Fuck me. Unnecessary. Is he okay? Michael, how are you feeling having just become an expert in F1 in the span of 30 minutes? There's a lot. It sounds really cool. I'm excited to watch. I think I have even more respect for the driver, mm-hmm. right? Even though so much of this is science and innovation and tech, when you went through the list of what they have to deal with while not dying, while trying to win, while going 200 miles an hour, uh, it's fascinating. I also can understand why it doesn't have necessarily a mass appeal, the mm-hmm. sport. It seems so wealthy. And the, <laughs> the money the money that needs to go into this is so high. But in a, in a beautiful way, it's like fun that they're just so rich and like this is what it is. And, uh, you know, we're not – yeah. there's no pickup Formula One races at the playground. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was gonna say you. You really don't get like eat the rich vibes from F one. <laughs> like, if anything, they're like hug the rich. Like, you definitely don't just... get eat the rich in our world today, where everyone's so carefully crafting their image and brand, which I'm sure Formula One is as well. It's kind of fun to have someone or some world just lean into. Look, we're rich as fuck, and we're trying to race as fast as we can. They're like this sport is entirely unnecessary, <laughs> yeah. but like we're doing it anyway, yeah. and we're richer than you, by the way. Yeah. Like it's it's fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So we've talked very generally about the endless numbers of rules and regulations within Formula One and how it works. But I'm really excited to actually dive into, you know, the teams, the drivers, the rivalries, the scandals, the the thirst traps. There's lots of thirst traps. So so stay tuned. But uh, it's daddy issues, daddy issues galore. Yeah. <laughs> so basically how this will work is we'll dedicate roughly an episode, sometimes two, to each team and its drivers so you can get a sense of how the team operates, how it it came through the ranks, and what those drivers are like now. So hopefully by the end, you'll be able to figure out, you know, which team you want to support going forward and which driver you really like the most. I'm open. Let's put it this way. There's a lot of motion and movement trying to get me and others into Formula One. I am willing to be convinced. I am willing to to become a fan of the sport. But it's, I don't just give that away. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. Yeah. No pressure on me. Just got to get you and everyone <laughs> listening into yeah. a bunch of, yeah, like yeah. angry men uh, on a racetrack. It's great. This has been Choosing Sides F1, a production of Sports Illustrated Studios and iHeartRadio. Check in next week to learn all about the Mercedes team. The show is hosted by Michael Costa and Lily Herman. This episode was produced by Lily Herman and our senior producer, Yochai Maital, who also did the sound design. At the Cutting Room Studios, we're recorded by engineer Rob O'Leary. Mastering by Stella Weisblum. Max Miller is the executive producer. And Brennan Getchus is head of audio at SI Studios. At iHeartRadio, Sean Titone is our executive producer. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
And don't forget to rate us and tell your friends. It'll mean a lot. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.